from Kurtco Media. There's no place like Hollywood. Welcome to Hollywood Unscripted. I'm Jenny Curtis, and I am back with you for a special episode with incredible writer-director-producer Lee Daniels. You've seen Lee's work in groundbreaking projects such as Precious, Lee Daniels' The Butler, Empire, Star, The Paperboy, Shadowboxer, and now you can catch his latest film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday, on Hulu. This is an open-hearted and honest conversation of creativity and drive that we are so excited to share. But before we jump in with Lee, I want to spend a moment with our returning guest co-host, actress Dana Gurrier, who has worked with Lee on both The Butler and The United States vs. Billie Holiday, and let you get to know her a little bit more. Welcome back, Dana. Hi. (laughs) I'm so glad you're back. Yes, thank you for having me. You know, it's always a pleasure to hang out with you. So Dana, I realized we had you on so many times last season, and I haven't really given people a chance to get to know you, just you, and you're so fantastic. So I'm going to throw a question your way. Handle it how you will. Okay. If you could boil down who you are as an artist into a nutshell, who would you say you are? I think I'm just exactly me. And that's not easy. I'm an overthinker. I'm also a perfectionist. I've actually never said that out loud before. I didn't know I was a perfectionist until sort of more recently. I also didn't know I was kind of a control freak either because I'm very chill. You know what I mean? I'm real like, let's roll with it. Go with the flow. I'm very open when it comes to discovering my characters. I'm very open on a set. I'm very open to what the director wants, what the writing is asking of me. But I realize in my overthinking in my drive and desire to be perfect or right. I cause myself a lot of stress, but it also makes for a lot of really strong work. And I don't say that braggadociously. I say that because I've had to go through so much to get to certain places. Yeah, I'm really hard on myself. And then at the same time, when they yell action, all of that shit goes out the window. The overthinking, the perfectionism, the whatever the, oh my God, my mom is going to hate how I look in this. All of that goes out of the window because it's not about me anymore. So if I were to boil myself down in a nutshell, I would say I'm strong. I'm a strong artist. What would you say is your favorite part about acting? In the middle of a take of a scene, and it doesn't matter if you like the actor or not, you like the project or not. For me, there is this sort of magical moment where you can literally feel it's right. And you can feel that's it. That was what I believe the writer was intending. That is the feeling. I felt connected. That was the magic. And even if they don't use that take as an actor to feel that feeling and know I I got it right or it felt right, that's one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. And the community of being with other actors and experiencing that with them. Because it's not just myself I feel that with. Like when I'm watching a scene between two lions, I just, ah, it's my favorite, I love it. It makes everything feel alive. And also my favorite thing about being an actor is one day being able to use everything that I've learned and transition to direction. Like, I long to be a director, and I think I will be a strong director because I've put myself through so much. Then it's good we're talking to an amazing director who you've worked with today. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So, Exactly. Let's go learn from Lee Daniels. Welcome to Hollywood Unscripted. I am so unbelievably excited that you are joining us today. United States versus Billie Holiday. You can see it on Hulu. It's such a beautiful film. And we are going to talk to you about creativity and passion in filmmaking today. And so thank you for joining us. I'm ready to talk about it. And thank you so much for having me. Before we jump into the film, I want to go all the way back to the beginning and say, where did you find your creative spark? My creative spark, I think, really began with uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella with Leslie Ann Warren. And I think I was six years old and I was at my mother's first cousin's house. It actually wasn't a house. It was in the projects in uh, North Philadelphia with five of us on this bed in this one room apartment 
project, Cinderella came on and there were mice that were on the floor that were running around in the, in the room. <laughs> <laughs> and we were throwing things at the mice. And, uh, and I, and I, and I, something, there was a connection between Cinderella and the mice and the songs that it was a spark right there. When you think of spark, I think of, okay, so what really, uh, when did I, when did my head leave my body to imagine, to dare imagine? Mm. And I think it was then that I imagined that I was, uh, Cinderella, (laughs) 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 you know, and, and then everybody on the bed became different characters from Cinderella and the mice were all there. And so the real mice were all there. And I began directing my cousins and my sisters and my brother. That was the very beginning. And then from there, I think about nine years old, I went to the public library. I don't know what drove me to the theater section. I remember walking to the public library in West Philadelphia, going into the theater section of the public library, pulling out a book, a random book called Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at eight years old, reading it, taking it back home, having my family sit on the stoops and me directing them to uh, saying the words from Martha and George Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, and honey. Did you understand that play at eight or nine years old? I did. Wow. That's incredible. Well, we come from a really interesting family, which is <laughs> which is probably why my <laughs> stories are so fascinating. I know you've said then when you went to high school is when you really found theater, theater. So what was that process of diving into theater? Did you know you wanted to direct or were you an actor? I knew that I couldn't act. <laughs> I didn't understand what directing was. You know, I didn't understand that mm. it, what that medium was. And no one really could tell me what it was because the whole arts situation was definitely for sissies. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't something that we embraced, my family or my you know neighbors. If I recall, I probably was acting, but knowing that I just, it was just not me, but just trying to get closer to the art and then writing poetry and, and writing, mm. writing stories and writing short stories, just escaping from the environment that I was in. Anything to escape the environment. Let me ask you a question. Did you feel a connection to the fellow high school theater people? Like, oh, these are my people. Like, I distinctly remember in high school feeling kind of out of sorts with every other group or crew or social circle. But I remember thinking, oh, these are my people when I met the theater people. I felt like a sense of belonging. Did you have that same sort of experience? I did. Yeah, I did. But that was more like in my first or second year in college, mm. which I didn't complete. But that feeling of camaraderie was there then. Yeah. In my, my first experience in theater was, was rejection, really, because uh, I knew I was I knew that even if I couldn't act, I was still better than the person that they cast in Sound of Music as a... <laughs> You knew you were still I I auditioned for, because I saw the audition. And even then, there's this knowingness that you have. There's a fairy dust that was over me. And I was in middle school, and I auditioned for The Sound of Music. I really didn't understand that Von Trapp couldn't be Black. I didn't understand the difference. I didn't really, Mm. I didn't understand it. And, uh, Mm. And they gave me this weird look. My drama teacher gave me this weird look, and they just, they put me as the, uh, as the other guy, you know, the guy that was the, the guy that got him to escape, whatever his character's name was, uh, Max. Yeah. Max. I, I was uh, Max. I see. They didn't want me kissing a white girl. <laughs> and, what, and not to, to put you on blast, but what year around was this? Like, when, when was this? That was uh, 75. Okay. You mentioned you went to college for a couple of years, but then you left and you went to L.A. Mm-hmm. It took you a little while to then jump into the entertainment industry, or am I wrong in that? I was always in it. I was a liberal arts major at this liberal arts college in St. Charles, Missouri, Lindenwood Colleges. I studied pre-law, whatever that was, <laughs> but, but uh, I was in a couple of plays, Carousel, and really understanding theater. And I knew, I knew then in... Mm-hmm college that that's what it was that I wanted to do. Mm. I've dated two women in my life. Lori Ingram told me not only that I was gay, but that I was a, I was a writer oh, wow. and that you should go to Hollywood. She said, that's where it all happens. And I lied to my mom and told her that I was still in school 
and I had $7, either seven or 70, don't quote me. But it was either <laughs> seven or $70. I think probably 70 maybe, but maybe seven, I don't know. But it was a seven and I took a bus to LA. Wow. Wow. <laughs> what does one do when you're 22? You know? <laughs> I moved to New York at 22 with like two suitcases. So I get it. You get it, right? But Dana, if my son mm. or your son should pull some shit like that, no, it would never happen. <laughs> <laughs> <It> would... <laughs> with what? No, you're not doing that. No. And then I'd be like, okay, oh my God, I'm so scared. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but was that the same time then you showed up and you got your job on Purple Rain or was there a time gap between them? That was before. That was before. I uh, worked at a nursing agency. You know, I was homeless for a little bit and I was living in the back of a church. I started directing theater, one act plays at this church. Mm. And uh, I know, I can't believe it. But you don't know these things. I wasn't, believe me, it wasn't bad. I mean, I could always have gone home, but I chose to have my destiny. I wasn't like, people think you're homeless and it's a bad thing. Mm. And for some reason, it was an adventure to me. I wasn't at all afraid at all. If anything was fun. And I I can't believe I'm saying that. It was just like, I wasn't afraid. It wasn't uh, something that, uh, and then I ended up, I looked in the LA times for a job. I got a car. I was living out of my car for a minute and I circled receptionist. What are you good at? I knew I had a good voice. Mm -hmm. So I was selling nurses It was a random reception position. It was in-home healthcare. So if your mom got sick or if your dad got sick and they needed in-home care, they would call this particular nursing agency and we would serve them with nurses. And and so that's what began it. And then pretty soon, I mean, I was still directing little one-act plays simultaneously, lived in Hollywood, got an apartment. I was so good that I became a salesperson there, then selling. Mm. And then I became a manager of this place without any nursing experience whatsoever, by the way. And then I said, wait a minute, hold on. There's real money to be made here. So why don't I just steal five of the nurses and open my own company, not understanding that one, you had to pay taxes to the nurses <laughs> and you had to, you had to like have a license. This is 23. So you don't- Medical I, insurance for them. Like, <laughs> so, but the nurses were so great. And here's the thing, all of the discharge planners from Cedar sinai and Broadway Memorial and Santa Monica- all the hospital nurses and, and social workers were black women that fell in love mm-hmm. with me. So they would refer their patients to me and my company grew. Pretty soon I had an agency, Lee Daniels, a nursing agency that was on Wilshire and La Brea. I was servicing over a hundred patients. Oh, wow. I have 500 nurses. I was 23 years old. That was the one time that I'd sort of stopped working in theater because it was all consuming. And I had to hire a registered nurse and AIDS hit something that we didn't know what it was. And most of the women that worked for me were Black women. We had RNs, LVNs, mm-hmm. licensed practicing nurses, and, and home health aides, and then housekeepers and nannies. AIDS hit. And nobody wanted to take care of the, the people that were dying. And, uh, and that's where I made my money at. I mean, mm-hmm. AIDS Project LA, I was under contract with them. I was under contract with the Sickle Cell Media Foundation. All of the social workers and the and the and the discharge planners were black, and they referred them to me, not knowing that uh, <laughs> you know that I knew nothing about nursing. My nurses did, and I was lucky that I never got sued once. There was never one mm. malpractice suit. God was really with me all that time. And and then I, what do you do with a black man that doesn't have an education, that doesn't really know anything, that comes from the ghetto, and makes a million dollars or two million dollars a year? Honey, I became a drug addict. Mm. (laughs) I became, uh, because I saw so many of my friends dying of AIDS during this time, and I couldn't understand why they were dying. And though I had never done drugs before, I needed to slip away from the pain. People were dying in my hands, in my arms. And people want to know where I get the, where my work comes from. And that really comes from watching people come into the world and people die in your arms. And not just one person, not just two people, but three or four, like these, it decimated an entire, all of my friends. I have none of my friends that, uh, I lost most of my friends when I was a kid from gun violence and and gang wars and stuff as a kid. Mm -hmm. And then as I came out and I lost a lot, most of my friends from AIDS. So it was a, my work comes from from watching people come into the world and go out to the world. It's, 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 it's a, once you've seen that over and over again, you, uh, for people that you love, 
you can't, mm-hmm. it, you see the world from a completely different point of view. So yeah. after that, one of the producers came in, one of the producers of Purple Rain came in and said, uh, are you Lee Daniels? And I go, yeah, I was taking care of his mother. I wasn't, but my nurse was. And he saw this 23 year old black kid with his feet up on the desk, smoking a Newport cigarette. And he- Not Newport. Yeah, Newport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Newport. <laughs> Newport. You might as well say cool. Okay. Come on now. <laughs> um, and uh, and he said, feet were on the desk. On the desk, and he couldn't understand. He wanted, wanted he wanted to know what I wanted to do with myself. He's fascinated that I he trusted me with his mother or father mm-hmm. for however long it was, maybe eight or nine months. He said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "I really want to direct. I think whatever that means." Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, you know, I'm a producer. Why don't you come down and become a." a, a production assistant in casting or someplace like that. And uh, I sold the nursing, <laughs> I sold the nursing agency. <laughs> I, you, you can't did. make this up. I sold that nursing agency yeah. so fast. I made so much money off of that. Wow. That chapter's closed. Drove on the lot in my Porsche, in my Armani suit and a Newport in my hand with the sun <laughs> roof rolled down, mm. ready to go to work. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. You can't make this up, Dana. <laughs> I love it. For me as an artist, when I'm going through turmoil, the only thing I can do to process it is to put it into creating. Did you have that yet? Or did it take a while to get like past being homeless, mm-hmm. past the AIDS epidemic? Did it take a while for you to put your turmoil into your art? Or was it kind of immediate that you had to put it into creating? I think it was immediate. Even when you look at the the arguments that were going on between George and Martha, I had seen mm. catastrophic, just chaos with people fighting as a kid. So I understood it. And so I knew how, I knew those women. I knew that, I knew Martha, I knew George. So I was able to get people to act it out. And I found them fascinating too, mm-hmm. especially if it's good dialogue. Yeah. So being a PA, being as swanky as you were, were you ready for the bottom of the barrel that a PA is? No, no, no. But I really believe that's the reason why Empire was so groundbreaking because I didn't know the rules on television when I came into that space. And I didn't know the rules when I came into this space because I kept telling everybody the truth and didn't care to get fired because I I had some money and I didn't really care. And, <laughs> well, it sounds like you made your own rules. Prince loved it, you know? And so yeah. it was great. My work has been driven by honesty. And I think it shows into the work that I do, the connection that I have with, with actors and my, and my crew is that which yeah. is pure and honest. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. I have now been on two of your sets and each time there's like, I think a nine year gap in between or Well, it's or not going to be that way before because you're fabulous in my movie. And I mean it, I cannot believe. Did you, did you yes. tell her how fabulous she is in that movie? I told her how fabulous <laughs> she is in that movie. Let me tell you something, it's that pregnant <laughs> thought. What kills me, no. people have actually, she's only in it for one scene. And what's so great, and but everybody just comes in and it's so, oh my God, I'm so moved, Dana, by your work in the movie. Thank you. There's a pause and she says, but mama, I don't want to go. And you hold your hand up on the, on the, I get chills doing this, my impersonation of you. And you take a deep breath. You take, oh, and there's, there's this moment of she's gotten to you, but there's no way she's going to get to you. You've got to go, Eleanor. And it is, mm. I get chills thinking about it because it's that, it was that millisecond that you did as I, and I directed you to that point. I was like, you know, have a, have a, have a, just have a, that one moment of doubt. And, no, y'all, let me tell you what he told me. He said, you're acting. Stop acting. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. I am. Am I? I don't know. And I, that's this is my point. You have made me so strong. It, even just the time we spent on U.S. versus Billie Holiday, I find that you pull something out of me as an actor that is really special. And it's not just me. That was just one scene in your film. I believe you do this. You are an actor's director. And I think what you pull out of people is extremely special. Thank you. I I, I wanted to make sure that you know I feel that way. That's important to me. To, and I want to say thank you for making me better. I'm not trying to be corny right now. I'm just being yeah. honest. No, and, yeah, but you're so you. spectacular. I mean, it's just, I think it's one of the most devastating moments. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, that, like that moment with there when she's telling her daughter to get out. So heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. <laughs> she does such a phenomenal job. <laughs> oh, thank you. Ray. 
Lee, you're so loyal to your cast and your crew and you work with people repeatedly. Mm -hmm. What is it that elevates that about projects like this where you're working with people you know and you love and you respect? Do you have a different Mm -hmm. shorthand with them or what is it that drives that? I'm really nervous about meeting new people. Mm -hmm. That's first. People think I'm an extrovert, but I'm really nervous around people. Being a director, you just you have to put on this veneer of like, I'm in charge and, you know, like mm. I know it all. And, and I don't, I don't pretend to know it. I don't know it all. And I'm always finding the moment with the actor in the, I don't know it until I see it. And so yeah. part of that is like, once you work with me, then I know that you know me and mm. uh, I know, you know, my spirit and I feel safe with you. And if I feel safe with you, we are on a journey together in finding the truth in the moment, right in the moment. Mm. And I think that uh, people that, if I don't know you, I, it's like getting to know you is really hard. It's like, ugh, you know, but once I get to know you, <laughs> once I get to know you, once I get to know you, it's a, it's a party. It's a fucking party. Yeah, it is. Oh, oh, it's oh, yeah. so much fun. It is. <laughs> it, I'm not going to lie. I do like to work with the same people over and over again. And like, and, and, and the same cinematographers. How was that working for both? You worked with Andrew twice and me twice, Dana. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, first of all, he's exceptional. I, j- I did see the trailer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not in the trailer. No, though. no, no. But just from the cut of the trailer, I was like, this is going to be magnificent. This mm. is shot so beautifully. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh my God. It doesn't surprise me. You guys are a magnificent team and you do extraordinary work together. This is Andrew Dunn, who you've worked with on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Was your... F- first time working with him on Precious? Yeah. What's great about Andrew is, is that I was working on Precious and I was with a crew that was disrespecting me. And in hindsight now, I didn't know that it was racism. You know, I never look at racism straight in the eye. I just, in hindsight, it took this past summer, the events this summer to, for me to reawaken about my thoughts about mm. race and relations in America. I, I really chose to look at everybody, look good in everybody, you know, like I've been yeah. abused as a kid and I just have been bullied as a, you know, so I really want the best in everybody. So I was bullied because I was gay. I was, you know, beaten because I was gay uh, mm. by my dad and, you know, my uncles and stuff. I never thought that there was racist. If if someone didn't like me, I just assumed that it was because of uh, I was gay. Mm -hmm. And I think I I put blinders on with racism because if I really looked at the fact that you will not like me because I am black, Mm -hmm. I think I don't know whether I would have been as successful as I am today. I would have, I would have, I don't know what I would have done. Anyway, what does that do with the price of beans in China? I was. Oh, okay. it's interesting you said that because it reminds me of the sound of music. Like, what do you did? It didn't occur to you that you couldn't be. <laughs> did did yeah. not. Ever. You know what I mean? It's all connected. Yeah. I was too busy yeah. worried, Dana. I was too busy worried about people not liking me because I was gay, mm. and people not liking me because I was black. And so, um, when the crew was completely disrespecting me on um, my DP, my all of them, like AD on Precious two weeks in. Seriously? Yeah, two weeks in. Because I'm honest, you know, I say, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. So they take, I don't know what I'm doing as a, uh, this nigga don't know shit, forget him. And so it just spread like a virus. And so I shut that, because they, and they think that once you, once you are shooting, it's too late. The train is on the tracks and you're going, but they don't know this one right here. I shut it down. (laughs) I replaced everybody. And I had, I had 10 wow. days, I, everybody, okay. everybody. And plus I didn't like what I was getting, you know? And so I, I, mm-hmm. I, I loved Andrew Dunn's work in um, the madness of King George. I loved his work in that. And also he did the, he did the bodyguard with Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him, did he want to come work with me? And we had a long talk and he understood, yeah, he really understood me. We have a six hour conversation and, and uh, he came in without any prep at all. And we did Precious. Wow. No prep. Wow. He had exactly three days of prep. And we just, we just, he, 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 he read my mind. He was like, he, he understood where it was that I was going. And if you notice, he never takes his eyes off of me. When I enter a room, he sees me eyeing everything. I come over and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll inadvertently cut my eyes to him. And he's always studying what it is that I'm seeing so he can capture it. Mm -hmm. Really great. Great relationship. Since we're on Precious and we were talking about new people, Mm -hmm. 
You do, though, work often with up-and-comers that haven't really had any experience yet. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle Sidibe being one of the most famous ones, and, and Andrew Day is less experienced in the film world. What is it like working with newcomer actors, mm-hmm. and what is it you see in them that inspires you to pick them to be your leads? Well, with Gabrielle and with Andrew, I was sort of forced to because I couldn't find anybody else. You can't just like, there wasn't a celebrity or an experienced actor really that fit mm. Precious's mm-hmm. sort of description. But there's something great about working with the first time actors because they really trust you. It takes a minute for those that haven't worked with me to trust me because most actors have been burned by directors. You find yourself giving these incredible performances of what you know is good. And then you look you look up on the screen and go, the director didn't catch the moment. The editor didn't catch the moment. What is this? What, what is this performance that I'm giving you? I've given you my soul. And this is what you interpret. For, what is this interpretation that you have of me? So I find that actors are a little jaded in that regards. And, they're, and, they're, and, they're, and their guards are up, you know, about working with directors that have screwed them over, to be frank. Or editors that have, that don't catch the magic and the, and the truth in the moment. First-time actors don't know that yet, and 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 and, and Andra and and Gabrielle did not know that. So they, you know, they they jumped off the. Cl- they really believed in me. They trusted me. They just trust me. They jump off the cliff with me. And they, um, if you're with a great artist, an actor, actress, cinematographer, it's almost like you're making love. You know, like you're not touching, but you're that close in spirit that you know you mm-hmm. are. For me, I'm very vulnerable with who it is that I'm working with because it's delicate. Almost soul-tied mm-hmm. yeah. for the time being in yeah. the foreseeable future of the project. Like almost like theater and, and, and mm-hmm. the set is struck. That's true, Dana. I feel like it, when you're doing it right as a director and an actor, when y'all make that communion together, mm-hmm. it's like you're soul-tied for a mm-hmm. bit. I don't know. It's just deep to me. It's it's more than just like, oh, lines. It's and, precious. It's very precious. Yeah. Not the part of the pun. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it is. It's it's really yeah. precious. It's something that I don't take for granted. It's it's spiritual. It is mm-hmm. spiritual for me. It's 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 guttural. It's spiritual, and I take it not for granted. I think it shows in the work. A moment of your time. A new podcast from Kurt Co Media. Currently 21 years old, and today I felt like I'm magic read extended from her fingertips down to the you base of my spine. You have to take care spine. of yourself because the world needs you and Trust your Trust me, voice. every do-gooder that asked about me was ready to spit on my dream. Her fingers were facing me. You can feel like your purpose and your worth is really being it's questioned. going to stop me from playing the piano. She buys walkie-talkies. Wonders to whom she should give the second device. Cats don't love humans. We never did. We never will. We just find one. The beauty of rock climbing is that you can only focus on what's right in life. And so our American life begins. We may need to stay apart, but let's create together. Available on all podcast platforms. Submit your piece at kurtco.com slash a moment of your time. talked about how like once you're on set with an actor it's very instinctual and you find it in the moment in that how do you know when you've found it is it like you get chills you just see it you just know what is the magic i know i know and plus time is money and money is time we ain't got no time because we ain't got no money so it's like got it next (laughs) speedy gonzalez next setup do you move on if you don't have it no oh no we always get it. <laughs> we always get it. Was there anything that you struggled getting on U.S. versus Billy Holiday? Yeah, but I, I don't want to talk about that. There were things we had issues with. I'll tell you what I couldn't get. Dana, I think, is in this scene. It's the butler. Speaking, this is mm-hmm. coincidental, Dana, not because you're here. Okay. But there was a uh, scene, in, and they were all playing cards. Lenny Kravitz, Cuba Gooding Jr., mm-hmm. Dana, Oprah. Everybody was just like, it was boring. The scene was just boring. And everybody was trying to p- pretend like they was all friendly and playing cards and shit. I was like, ugh. And then I turned to my AD. I said, can you somebody find me a parrot? And they were like, a bird? 
what are you gonna do? I said, put a bird in this motherfucker. Like, put it, like, put a, <laughs> let's shake this shit up because I'm losing my mind and I'm losing time. Money is time and time is money and we ain't got none. So from nowhere, everybody's rushing to get the bird and the bird comes in and the bird had to talk and the bird starts talking, honey. And the actors <laughs> lost their fucking mind. They didn't know what to do. <laughs> it was like, what is going on here? It was I said, great. I said, just play with the bird. If the bird talks, don't act like, bird is here don't ignore the bird the bird right. is talking the birds start repeating people it was just crazy yeah it was crazy it was, it was so much fun i got defensive about the bird i was like you better don't mess with my bird now you know <laughs> i remember and i remember that it was so hot in there and we were trying to figure out we had had a rehearsal but we were you'd put some music on and i remember you distinctly saying okay people what is the scene what are we doing and you were like let's go let's get this going and how is this going to move or something like that? And I said, and I, I remember you saying this and I said, oh, like this. And I started doing that old school, like 50s mm-hmm. dance. And then next thing you know, Lee wanted us all dancing. And I remember <laughs> Oprah Winfrey looking at me saying, you gonna pay for this. <laughs> she was so irritated that we were, because I started the shit, you know what I mean? Naturally. <sighs> and then I was like, oh, I didn't think that this would be take after take after take and us sweating our wigs off. It was so much fun though. That was the best. Uh, of course, Lee made us dance for, you know. So now you have Oprah after you. It's uh, really right, the moral right. of the story. But it was fun. It turned, it dialed everything up. It turned the scene, you know what I mean? It, it made, Lee made it like on fire at that point. It was great. Yeah. I want to ask, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I'm I'm just really curious because you recently said that United States versus Billie Holiday was the first film you have done completely sober. And that was a mm-hmm. scary experience. And to me, that I mean, what a... What an incredible film for that to be the film you're doing that on, because that's exactly what Billy had to go through. Mm-hmm. And and I'd love to hear about the creative process on that yeah. and what your experience was kind of facing that mirror. I was taught early on never to do drugs. They didn't have crack or cocaine. I guess they did, but I didn't know about it. They had heroin back in the day when I was a young kid in the streets. So I saw it firsthand. I and I saw alcoholism firsthand, so I never was interested. And I think that my way of dealing with any trauma in my life was really uh, escaping my body and pretending that I was somewhere else. And we talked about that, you know, mm-hmm. with, with writing and poetry. And when I experienced all those deaths in my 20s, I turned to alcohol and drugs and sex to escape the pain that I was in. And, and I didn't know that at first it was fun. And then it was like, oh my God, this is dark. And oh my God, this is really, really, really dark. Yeah. And so I stopped uh, drugs around precious time. And, but I was still drinking and still anesthetizing myself from just trauma, mm-hmm. trauma. And there's a difference because I have many of all my friends drink and they get drunk and they're fine. And it's fun to watch them drunk, actually. Yeah. But there's something that you don't have to know when to stop. And I didn't know when to stop. And so I felt that for Billy, I was trying to stop. I felt that for Billy, just given that was ultimately my connection with her too, the trauma that she experienced and why it was that she was on it. Yeah. Uh, heroin, raped at an early age, thrown into prostitution, you know, just horrible conditions. And she didn't survive it, you know, her addiction. So I, it was important to me to be present and to respect her by doing that. It was the hardest thing I have ever done. You know, you understand what the homeboy says. Hitchcock had the martini. He created that martini shot at the end of the night. And it's real, you know, because taking and doing each day of, of, of filming is so depleting it takes your soul away literally Mm. it just takes everything from your muscles and your mind and your spirit and your heart and your mouth it's just like you're using everything at least i do so that you need to fill it up with something at the end and just fill it fill it fill it and um so this one i didn't and uh and and i'm great I, i i look younger my kids tell me i lost some weight i my eyes are clear Yeah, no, I'm not, I, 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 I sort of, I'm not taking, I don't, it's a very serious addiction and I don't take it for granted that it's just a day at a time. Yeah. 
I'm still a little nervous and embarrassed talking. I am embarrassed talking about it because I just don't, there's that mm -hmm. stigma that comes with it. That just is that stigma that I have to get out of myself. Get, but I also know I always live in my truth. And I also know, I think, yeah. that I, I think, I, I think that I'm helping somebody out there talking about it. Of course you are. Yeah. Were you ever afraid that your sobriety would affect your creativity? You know? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't think I have it, Dana. I didn't think that I would be able to do this film. And oftentimes mm -hmm. I still don't know whether or not it's good. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know because and I, well, I don't look at any of my- Lee, it's good. Thank you. It's real Thank good. You. But, mm -hmm. but as I'm being honest with you. I don't like, even like if it wasn't good, if any of my films weren't good, I wouldn't know because I, I was going to make sure that they, that I was feeling great about them with my, whatever addiction, whatever high I wanted to get on in this one. Mm -hmm. It's naked. I'm naked. Yeah. I'm naked. So I really hope that it's good. I, I haven't been able to test it with anybody. And so I don't know. I, I think that it's the best that I can do. And I'm I'm really proud that I didn't have to use doing it. Yeah. And being on the other side of it now, does it give you a different perspective on your own process? Yes. I mean, it's much easier doing it. I'm gonna I wish I didn't have to say this. I'm embarrassed about saying it, but it is easier. It's easier directing stoned you know mm. I, I'm, I'm able to i'm relaxed I, I you know i'm i'm in a place of like you know it's easy at least for this experience mm. i don't know how the next one will be but but this one right here it's it was it was intense still fun you know but but just is it right i think it's right i don't know whether it's right i'm going for it there's that second it's that it's that question i think my i second guess myself mm. where with alcohol and drugs i don't second guess myself Anyway, mm. that crazy, guys? Is that crazy? I, I'm moved by this, to be honest with you. It's it's incredibly yeah. moving because this is like an age-old thing with creativity of artists using substances to tap into something. And yeah. a lot of artists don't believe that they can tap in without substances. And it, I think it's really inspiring yeah. in all directions to hear how someone accesses creativity and that creativity isn't limited to one action or one pinpoint mm -hmm. like it's still always going to be there mm -hmm. because that's part of who you are it takes yeah bravery and we don't think it's good i mean any i think anybody that i respect you never it's never good enough i mean i i know that it's never you always question whether or not the gig is up after this one <laughs> whether you <laughs> when there's all the emperor's <laughs> new clothes honey you know no i always you know. wonder is this my last job is yeah this me, it? Too. Is this me too me <laughs> too and it's so refreshing to hear people say that, you know, because yes. you know you're not alone yes. thinking that. Yes, yes, absolutely. We had Mark Bomback actually on the show last year. Dana and I got to interview Mark Bomback, who was an executive producer on United States versus Billie Holiday. So great, yeah. He talked about how the moment that stands out to him in the process of making the film was a deep winter night hanging out in your apartment with you and Susan Laurie Parks going over the screenwriting process. Mm -hmm. And it was an honor for him to be there. And I thought it was just such a beautiful story. I'd love to hear if anything stands out to you in like what the development process is like. This was an interesting one because, you know, Mark knew instinctively as a white man that he couldn't write the script. I think that the producers, I think, this is, uh, don't get me, because this could not be correct, but I think that they offered it to him, that the producers, Kirsch and Joe Roth, offered him the job to write, and then he knew that he couldn't, and so he offered it to SLP. And, yeah. and, that, and then so... And so SLP really comes from theater. So she mm -hmm. really needed the structure of him. So they were they were a great duo together. And then I come in and just like shoot a gun through all of their process. <laughs> just like, okay, I know this is what it is, but this is what it's gonna end up like screen, y'all. So fit it, figure it out. And they and he had never seen that kind of process before, you know? Ever. And uh <laughs> but he was fantastic. He's so smart. He's a smart man. Very smart. Kind too. He's, he's, he's very nice. If you look back at the process of this film, do you have a favorite moment? Can I tell you, I love every moment in the movie. Mm -hmm. I swear to God. I, and I, I really, I, I, I love, I'm so proud of every moment in the movie because I think that everyone understood each moment, which was to honor Billie Holiday. Mm -hmm. Every actor 
knew that we were at service to, you know, we were we were honoring this civil rights leader who didn't know that she was a civil rights yeah. leader. Like we yeah. had a job to do. And I think that all egos were out of the way. I mean, really all egos are out of the way when I'm working with actors, there's no room for any egos at mm -hmm. all. We service, we service the script, mm -hmm. but this one, it was something else. I could feel the, what'd you feel, Dana? Even in just the hair and makeup trailer, because I, you know, I, I didn't get to work with the entire cast, but being with them, even like, for example, walking and brushing shoulders with Travante uh, back at base camp, the groundedness that I just felt from him, uh, being in the trailer with Andra, like her focus, she never felt really out of character to me. And her, but her kindness also shined through, like, uh, I feel like everybody was extremely grateful to be doing what they were doing and where they were. Like we were in Montreal, it was beautiful. It was like an experience, you know what I mean? And then on top of that, we get to, like you said, sir, provide a service for this script and this woman's legacy. From what I experienced in the energies I felt, there wasn't uh, any ego or anyone who was not, who was taking for granted what, what we were doing. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, I was just was, super grateful to be there and i think everybody else was too lee i mean you call us we're coming and it's like <laughs> we know it's going to be extraordinary you know the experience the story the the thank you the the community etc you know that's what i experienced my little day you know but my day counted it did baby because the scene <laughs> is fierce the scene thank is you. fierce thank you darling thank you i appreciate you i'm curious lee because you mentioned how looking racism in the eye and all of that wasn't, it's such a major element of this film. When did that hit you? I had blinders on. I was in denial about it. And I think that the, when that man died in the street, when that man died in the street and uh, it just took me back to um, that beating of Rodney King and how he got away with it. It just all of the gate, the, the floods opened, and I thought to myself, "Wait a minute, this movie is bigger than than me. This this woman is this whole and the noose at the Capitol. You can't. Mm -hmm. the, we didn't. When I was doing the movie, I didn't. I, we didn't do it intentionally to know about the drama that was going on in the country. It was just something that was in my spirit. In my spirit, when I did the Butler, it was about hope. Cecil's last moment when he's walking down that thing to see the invisible president that was never there at the end of <laughs> Obama. And we couldn't have, he wasn't going to come, no way. But, you know, it was, it was it, in the air, there was hope and there was uh, happiness. Yeah, It wasn't that way when we were writing, prepping, and in the middle of it all. So I think that for me, it was an awakening in the edit room when I saw that man die in front of us. And, and, and then the noose. The noose has been the noose at the Capitol is what really just, it took mm -hmm. it to another level of this is real. America is, is in a very dark place and um, there's a lot of work to do. And I don't know that it's going to be, I don't think it's going to happen in our generation. I don't think it's going to happen in our kids' generation. Uh, you know, I think if we do the work and that is doing films like Billie Holiday, really you know, letting people see the importance of leaders like her and what she stood for. Mm. That is the work for America to see that kind of those leaders, because if she could do it as a queer black woman in the 50s. Come on. What? Come on. It's 2021. Yeah, we, we have we have a lot of we have a lot of work to do so that our grandkids will uh, will not have this ugly shithole that we live in right now as a country. Amen. Yeah. Dana, did you want to ask anything before I move on to my last couple? I know you wanted to talk about the paper boy, which literally <laughs> makes no sense in this conversation, <laughs> but like we can absolutely do a quick pivot yes. and discuss that crazy oh, paper boy. I mean, I mean, I just, I, I would ask a very general question. Like what? what was happening and what, <laughs> what, 
<laughs> Just you were, what? You, you, you weren't in that movie, were you? you no, in Paperboy. No, in Paperboy with Zac Efron and Nicole yeah. Kidman mm-hmm. and you yeah. and all of the goodness. Nah, no, I wasn't mm-hmm. in it, but I am curious about your experience with it. And also, even I know we're going to jump, but I want to talk about your producing Monsters Ball as well. Yeah. Let's talk about Monsters Ball. Monsters Ball was really something that I wanted to direct, but I didn't know how to direct because I didn't know anything about a camera. So I hired a wonderful director, Mark Forrester, and really learned from him the the ins and outs of what it was. Um, and I, and also his cinematographer, uh, Roberto Schaefer, who worked with me on Paperboy. So that was really a first for me to really understand what that world of directing was really about. That's my first movie. And we didn't know. I didn't know that uh, we were going to make history with Halle Berry being the first Black woman to win the Academy Award. Not a clue. Wow. So that was that. And then uh, and it changed my life, that movie. It really set me off into the trajectory. I didn't think I was going to work anymore after that. I mean, I thought to myself, well, how does it get any better than this? You were responsible for the first Black woman getting an Oscar. Okay, now what? You know, you can just go back to your hubble. I didn't know that God had so many bigger plans. I, that was just the beginning. No clue. That's inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Paperboy, I wanted to do because, well, Pedro Almodovar was going to direct it at one time. And it was such a fabulous script. I think he was nervous about doing it because of the English language of it all. Pete Dexter's book. And mm. for me, it was just so, I don't know what I loved about it. I loved about it as much as I loved about Precious, the decadence. The, the characters were so unique. They were so, I understood them all. As it was, when you really think about it, think about, think about what I just told you, what the first book, the first play that I saw, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? And then ask me, why am I doing it? You know what I mean? <laughs> that, I mean, there you go. You know, right. so it, I was living a fantasy. And I also felt that I deal with a lot of stuff in that movie that people don't really understand. All you ever hear about is Nicole Kidman peeing on Zac Efron, which I should have cut, but Nicole wanted me to keep it because it's like, that's all people talk about, you know, is that moment. I should have cut it because that's all they think about. That's far from the most (laughs) shocking thing in the film, which is interesting why that's what they want to talk about. (laughs) To me, it really delved into race. You know, if you look at Macy Gray's toward a forcible portrayal of that maid and Zac Efron and their relationship, him using the M word and that moment that they have there, it talks about everything that I'm about, you know? It talks about drugs. It talks about men being confused about their sexuality. It talks about race, sex. And I also didn't want to be labeled just as this Black guy that directs Black story. Mm. I remember being at Cannes with, with my entire cast and getting, I'm going to say, and you guys can Google this, I want to say it was 17 minutes of a standing ovation, one of the longest standing ovations at Cannes that they got. And then coming back out and seeing these hard reviews. And my uh, agent at the time told me, this is going to be a classic. Don't worry about it. You know, And and I think that a lot of uh, white journalists, these old men that don't understand uh, the lens of which I see the world from a terrified Black gay man, uh, that they shoes that they will never walk in, will never understand my point of view as a storyteller. And I think that uh, unless sometimes it's got to be A plus B equals C, which is like a, to me, a bad movie of the week for them to rave over it or to understand it. And it took me a long time to understand that I dance to my own beat. And as long as I'm really happy with that right. and, and, and I have a group of people that understand that, I'm so good. I'm so good, you know, like, right. you know, I mean, they right. make you feel bad about making something like Paperboy. I'll never forget. It. I feel like, oh my God, it's true what my dad said. I'm nothing. I'm, a, I'm really bad. I, you, you read it. So you don't mm. even let that, you can't let the noise into your spirit. You don't justify it with a, right. and I've never read anything else about myself since. <laughs> Getting rid of the noise. If you look back at everything you've made, do you still hold the same love for all of your projects? Everyone. I wish I could. I never see them. I never watch my movies once I'm out of the edit room. And I'm upset that this one in particular will never, I'm like, this is, I'm, I'm going to have probably a, a nervous breakdown when the movie is streamed because I shot it on film, Andrew and I, for it to be on the big screen. And so it is, mm. and I'm sure we're one of like four movies maybe that use film. You know, I'm old school. I don't know of another way of shooting, but film, not digital. And I'm used to seeing like 700 people in the theater at Cannes or at Sundance, the clapping, you know, that's all I want is to be loved. Yeah. I want people to, you know, we all do. And so I'm, 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 I'm sure I'm going to, I'm getting emotional, but I really want to 
I'm going to regret uh, just being alone in my, I'm really grateful that Hulu was putting it out. Yeah. I'm sure it's going to be pretty traumatic for me watching three years of my life on the television. Maybe I won't watch it. I don't think I'm going to watch it because I'll be too emotional. You need to watch it. You're not going to have a, a break, okay. a nervous breakdown. I watched it on my handheld device, which is the screen. Wait, is listen to me. This is, see gorgeous. what I'm saying? This is, this is how gorgeous. my actors talk to me. You need to watch it, Lee. It's okay, Lee. The scene's going to be okay. Stop. It's going to be okay. Relax. It's going to be it's fine. Gonna be okay. You're, you're going to be... be revered. <laughs> it's going to be outstanding. I, I was back on the set of, she was, this is, this is how I get the performances. You want to know how I get the performances? Just like that. You caught it in the moment. <laughs> it's crazy. Yes. Oh my it's going to be amazing. I feel it. I feel Thank it. You. It's going to be amazing. Um, so yeah. Lee, we wrap up all of these conversations with the same question, which is my favorite thing to know from creatives. Uh, what does it mean to you to have a life in storytelling? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to me to have a life in storytelling? Can I tell you something? This is a great ass interview, guys. I'm having a party. <laughs> Y'all getting all sorts of sound bites that I ain't never given to anybody. In, in, You're in fantastic. I don't say you tricked me with Dana in here. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> that was so shady. Um, oh, I love wait, you. So, I mean, when you think of life, you think of being alive. And I don't know if I weren't doing this that I would be alive. I think it would be. I'd be dead. I don't. Hmm. I don't. I don't know of another life to have. So, what does it mean to me? It means that I would be dead. I don't know of another way to mm -hmm. exist if I'm not story telling stories. I really don't know of another way. Maybe I'm being dramatic. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't no. know. That made me teary eyed. I don't, know I, could, I don't know what I could do anything. Mm -hmm. I, I'd rather crawl up and die. Mm -hmm. I've been telling it. I've been telling stories since I've been five, guys. I don't know what I. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know. I get it. Yeah. Jenny gets it too. Like it's something in your soul you can't get away from. Yeah, yeah when it's who you are, it's who you are. Oh, I love you. I love you too. Lee Daniels, I am so honored that you joined us today. I'm sorry I was sneaky with Dana, but I'm so glad that you were <laughs> willing to speak with us. I have so much more I want to ask you about. So open invitation anytime you want to come back. Okay. I'll grab Dana and we'll do it again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And but hopefully Dana you. will be in the movie or television show, whatever I'm doing. Yes. Yes. Bring it on. Let's get medical insurance for this baby. Because I got a baby now, <laughs> y'all. Congratulations, Dana. In That's so beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. He's really cute. I love him today. <laughs> I love him to pieces. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you, hon. You're welcome, honey. I'll talk to y'all later. Yes. Thank you. Be good. And thank you again. Hollywood Unscripted is created by Kurt Co Media. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Jenny Curtis. With guest, Lee Daniels. And guest co-host, Dana Gurrier. Edited by Joey Salvia. The executive producer of Hollywood Unscripted is Stuart Halperin. The Hollywood Unscripted theme song is by Celeste and Eric Dick. Please take a moment to subscribe. We'll be back with our all-new season of Hollywood Unscripted this spring. Stay safe and healthy, and thanks for listening. Kurt Co. Media. Media for your mind. <laughs>